2: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the Buckswire Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary and Bucks Wire editor, Luke Easterling.
3: All right, look. My favorite, favorite part about this—this this dominant win the Bucks had over Green Bay, thirty-eight to ten—just, just a lapper, right? The Bucs just all over them all game long. My favorite part was last week. We spent a ton of time talking about the penalties, how that derailed the Bucks' chances against the Bears, how that will derail their chances. To contend in the NFC. And then they come out against Green Bay, which literally had never turned the football over all year. Rodgers was playing at an MVP level. They were doing whatever they wanted on offense, and that was kind of covering, I think, for a little bit of a suspect defense. And the Bucks go out and not only play a great football game, but commit zero penalties for the first time since what was it, 1983 or something? I read so that is just unbelievable. The Bucks commit zero penalties and they look like world beaters. What, what, what's your uh, what's your leadoff take on this one?
4: Yeah, I mean, I don't know who gave the uh, the let's not you know have self inflicted errors speech after the after the Bears game, but man, did it did it hit home? Uh, did it sink in? Because this team, I mean, not just no penalties, which is ridiculous on all sides of the ball, but no turnovers, no sacks allowed against a, a team that has one of the better pass rushing duos in, in the league. Man, yeah, I don't know. I, it must have been Todd Bowles who gave the speech, because Todd Bowles also gave a speech on the sideline of his defense after the after the Bucks were down 10-0 uh, to the Packers in the first quarter. They gave up 144 yards of offense in the first quarter. They gave up 57 the rest of the game, Ryan. So I, my, my money's on Todd Bowles, because my money, you know, Todd Bowles, Devin White told us this week that Todd Bowles got everybody together on the sideline and said, hey, listen, you're respecting these guys way too much. They need to earn our respect. They do not deserve it yet go out there and make plays and stop getting starstruck that you're playing against Aaron Rodgers. And they went out there and scored the next 30, the next 38 points in the last 38 points of that game.
3: Yeah, you're right. The Packers go up ten nothing. You're like, oh, here we go, right? And the, the the damn Packers, you can't stop them. There's just something about this team, Lafleur, Rodgers. and then Rodgers gets the touchdown that ended up getting called back. He does the the kind of the Hogan stance. I don't know how you would describe that little that little shimmy he did in the end zone, but you just thought, man, yeah, I, uh, I think that's
4: the old Key and Peele Hingle McRingleberry. Uh,
3: okay, there it is. Uh, I'm a big Key and Peele fan too, so I should have known that. I should have known that. But man, it's just like he's just dangling it out there, right, Luke? He's just like, you guys can't you can't handle this. And boy, did that game turn from that point forward you know here's what I want to get your take on I mean Everyone loves to overreact in the NFL. So after that Thursday night football game where the Bucks are committing these pre and post snap penalties, just shooting themselves in the foot, Brady's forgetting how many downs there are. Everyone's like, this is a it's a dumpster fire in Tampa Bay, right? They got no shot. Now they destroy Green Bay, and everyone's picking them to win the Super Bowl, right? Every you know you're on all the talk shows on ESPN, NFL Network. They're all they're all loving the Bucks chances now. So I want to know which one you think it'll be. Are, are the Bucks more of the team that we saw on Sunday, or, or have they not yet proven themselves to not be that? team that we saw on Thursday night a couple weeks ago. So I think we're going to find that out over the course of the year, right? We still need to figure out which one they are. I don't want to overreact too much.
4: Yeah, I think the jury's still got to be out on that because when you have an example of, you know, you have one example, which we saw on Thursday night, and you have the complete opposite you got to you got to see more before you realize, you know, before you decide one one way or the other, what, what's the real bucks. Right. And I think like most things, it's got to be somewhere in the middle. I don't think they're as bad as they looked against the Bears. And I said that back in week one against the Saints, you know, when they the the following week, they, they beat Carolina pretty badly. And I didn't think they were as bad as they were against the Saints or as good as they looked against the Panthers and I think consistency has got to be the key and you you have to do that over, for a matter of weeks to be taken seriously and I think that it, it because it's one thing to look at on paper and say one way or the other because on paper the Bucks should have gotten boat raced this Sunday right you know coming off that Bears game the way the Packers have been playing the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing the, the Bucks. nobody thought they could win that game outside that building probably and and so you know it's so unpredictable the league from week to week and I think that's something you and I discussed last week is that you know it's a one-week league and you just never know what's going to happen so you have to see consistency before you can jump back on the bandwagon I what I will say about the Bucks is that you know, this game proved that when they don't beat themselves, they're pretty much unbeatable. Because if you look at the differences between the Bears game, one of them is obviously injuries. The Bucks were really banged up, particularly on offense. I think they had a huge game from the guys that filled in for Vita Vea. They've lost him for the season, so they're going to be relying on a patchwork uh, defensive line in the middle. I know they just traded for the for Steve McClendon from the Jets, another veteran who's going to help do that as well. But on paper, you kind of thought, this is kind of what we thought at the beginning of the, of the preseason, the offseason, season. Right? Right when when you look on paper and see all the weapons that, that Brady has, his ability to avoid turnovers, you know the the talent they have on defense, the fact that they had the whole coaching staff coming back, Todd Bowles having a second year with those, especially those young guys in the secondary to continue to develop those guys. On paper, this team looks like a Super Bowl contender, and when you see them you know, struggle out to get out of the gate against New Orleans. You can chalk it up to the fact that we had no preseason. It's week one. You know, then you, you rattle off three wins in a row and then you play you play Chicago and you just look like garbage. But it's all self-inflicted. It, it, you know, you could tell that it wasn't a lack of talent on both sides of the ball. The defense was still stopping the other team and, and holding them to low yardage. They needed to make plays on third downs in key moments. They didn't make them. Uh, you know, so those are mental errors. You have Tom Brady forgetting what down it was at the end of the game. You have the, all the penalties that we discussed. Those are all self-inflicted things. And, and I think what the, the Packers game proved is that when this team, again, does not beat themselves, does not shoot themselves in the foot, even the best teams in the league are going to have a really tough time beating them when they're on their
3: game. No, I agree 100 percent. And especially in the defense, when you're not getting any of these weird ticky-tack calls that we see every freaking week, and it makes you just lose your mind, like on third and long, you'll see an illegal contact or a DPI or a holding or something. You know what I mean? That extends a drive, and it's just so frustrating, and it kills a team. And for the Bucs not to do that and get the pick six, which literally, you know, it took all the air out of the Packers' balloon. They were just stunned that they had a turnover and that Rodgers threw a pick six. Nobody could believe it, and Tampa Bay just rolled from there. You saw on some of those runs on the outside where the Bucks just closed the ground. You see the speed. I think some some people watching that national broadcast probably had no idea how good this Bucks defense is, how fast they are on D. It was sweet. It was sweet, but one of my favorite parts. Hold on, let me check really quick. Let me. Yeah, I'm still wearing my Patriots underwear. Sorry, those who those who are just those who are just joining the podcast. I, I I do live out here in New England, so I have seen a lot of Brady and Gronk. And you wrote about it, Luke. That was what Bucks fans were hoping when Rob Gronkowski came out of retirement to join Tom in Tampa. Right? He just looked like kind of vintage Gronk, running down the seams, making those catches, creating a little bit more separation than we've seen in the first few weeks. Running after the catch, and we saw a Gronk spike. I think it was with his good hand, not his, his dominant hand, right? He's got something going on with his right wrist or something. But uh, we, we finally saw the touchdown and the Gronk spike. So that was fun to see, especially with O.J. Howard out. It's fun to see that Rob can be that guy.
4: It was. It was. And he's got, yeah, he's got that bum right shoulder. He's, he's fighting through it. Uh, so he, he was very critical of his left-handed uh, spikes, that it's the first one he's ever done. So he, he's got some work to do on that one. But no, I, I talked to Rob yesterday. You know, I asked him, I said, you know, were, was there a moment, you know, when you, you started to connect on those big plays that, that are so reminiscent of what fan, you know, guys like you have have seen from him for so long in New England with Tom. You know, was there ever a moment in that game where where, I, where they were like, "Hey, we're back, baby! Like we got it now. We we figured it out. <laughs> yeah. The connection is still there." You know, I, I asked him, I, "Did you have that moment?" And also, I was like, "How much fun are you having right now?" I mean, I talked about. I asked him about Brady and and the fact that he wanted kind of a a change of scenery and a new kind of atmosphere and and him being able to have a unique opportunity to come out of retirement just to join Tom and and have that fun again. And that's – I mean, he basically confirmed all of that for me. He said he's having a blast – He loved being, you know, this game in particular, being out under the lights when it starts to, you know, when the sun starts to go down in those late four o'clock games and you get the lights on and and it's a big game and a national audience and you're making big plays, you're doing what you did in New England to win championships together and you're getting in the end zone and, and he's just having a blast right now. So, it was really fun to kind of see him get so excited talking about it. You can tell that the energy and the connection between him and Brady is absolutely still there. I know his body's probably still trying to catch up from being off for a year. Um, but, man, what what a great sight it was to really see so many of the things that we talked about in the offseason and uh, the Bucs fans have been hoping to see from that connection. They were on full display. Led the team, five receptions, 78 yards, and a touchdown. And, again, so many big plays down the field that looked exactly like the ones – We saw throughout his time in New England.
3: No doubt. And I think Bucks fans and Patriots fans alike had to be loving it. You know, the Patriots fans needed that after our team looked like hot garbage against those Broncos. But that's a story for another day. Story for another day. But speaking of Pats fans, Bucks fans, there's an, here's another thing that I want to—I kind of want to figure out. I want to get the take of Bucks fans, Bucks Nation, and I think Luke will be a good guy to tell me about the Brady rogers conversation. I don't know how many of these games we're going to have left. A lot more now that Brady and Rogers are both in the NFC, right? Could meet in the playoffs, and if they keep winning their divisions, they could meet in the future as long as Brady keeps playing. But we're we're getting down to—we might not see too many of these Brady Rogers matchups like this. And I want to know, like the national media will always pump this up as the goat versus the goat. I remember that commercial with Michael Jordan touting them both as the goats. And uh, I know how we feel out here in New England about that conversation. I want to get Luke's take on it. We'll do that right after the break. We'll be right back.
1: Fantasy football is about proving
2: that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends at a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com.
5: Roy with with Huddle.com here to talk to you about fantasy football strong plays for week number seven. Quarterback Joe Burrow versus the Cleveland Browns. These teams met in week two, and if you'll remember, Burrow threw 61 times. Don't expect that in this one, but he finished with 316 yards and three scores. Those numbers are just slightly better than what is being allowed by Cleveland on the year at 290 and just over two touchdowns. Approaching 303 is within reason, but be very happy with 280 and two. Running back Latavius Murray of New Orleans Saints. Versus the Carolina Panthers. New Orleans is fresh off of their bye, and they face a defense that has given up eight rushing touchdowns in six games, plus allowing more than 100 yards per game on the ground to the position. While the scoreboard usually dictates Murray's role in the offense, he has seen at least 10 touches in each of his last three games and in four of the five contests that he's played this year. Carolina is dreadful against running backs. Marvin Jones of the Detroit Lions faces the Atlanta Falcons on the road. While Jones has been awfully silent of late, producing only 17 yards in his last two games combined, Andy has no touchdowns. Touchdowns with Kenny Galladay in the lineup, there's still upside here. Atlanta has given up the fifth most points in both prominent fantasy football scoring systems. Most of the damage has come via being the second worst defense for yardage and the seventh for catches allowed. This game also has a potential for a shootout given how poor Detroit's defense has played most of the season. Another player who at one point was featured prominently in fantasy football, Evan Ingram, the tight end for the New York Giants. On Thursday night, he travels to Philadelphia for a top six matchup in all meaningful statistics for fantasy. This defense has given up the fourth most catches 6th most yardage and 6th highest touchdown efficiency rating. It hasn't been pretty for the Giants, especially for Ingram. At some point it's going to click and gamers have to be ready to take the chance and not miss out on such a premier matchup. For more fantasy football news and advice, make sure to check out thehuddle.com.
0: Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any
1: type of uh, human remains that are left...
3: So, like I said before that break, Luke, not sure how many Brady Rodgers games we're going to have left, and I-, I could not wait to see it. Unfortunately, Rodgers didn't hold up his end of the bargain after, like I said, the Hogan dance. You know, he didn't. He didn't hold up his end of the bargain. He didn't. He didn't really uh, have much for the Bucks on this game. But in here in New England, when people would bring up the Brady Rodgers conversation, we would kind of laugh at it. We we always thought like you could talk about Brady and maybe Joe Montana, but even that one, when you're talking goat. Like even Joe Montana is kind of a stretch. I know he went four and zero in Super Bowls, but Brady, once he got his sixth, we thought, okay, that conversation's over. Peyton Manning, that was that one was uh, dominated a long time ago. So we don't. We get a little touchy over here in New England when you start bringing up Rodgers as the goat with Brady, and that and that's still a thing. And and you know, ESPN, all these guys are going to pump that storyline every time these two guys go off. How do Bucks fans feel about this?
4: I think honestly, if Buck Nation is any kind of self-aware, they realize that's not really their conversation yet. Um, that's they I, I think they would be wise to realize they, they only have six games worth of Tom Brady ownership, uh, as opposed to 20 seasons. So that's kind of still a, when you talk about it in those terms, in those career long terms, Buck fans should understand that the reason Tom Brady, is the goat is not because of what he's done so far six games for them. So I don't think they get to claim much ownership of that yet. Yeah. I think what you what you have to look at and I wrote this last week leading up to the game, Ryan. I, I said that the the goat conversation is about what you how you define that word and if it's you know, accomplishments, both individual and team accomplishments. There's obviously no contest—not just between Brady and Rodgers, but between Brady and any quarterback that's ever played the game—and that's why he's considered the GOAT when it comes to Super Bowls and and the team success that he's had, the the longevity and the amount of Pro Bowls over 20 years. I mean, there's just no touching what he's done. And I think the only argument that you can make for Rodgers is if you want to take it to the the talent standpoint. If you want to go from you know who's the most physically gifted, you know who's got the better arm talent, who who's the more talented passer of the football. I think Rodgers is probably that guy in that argument, but that's that, that's not usually what people mean when they talk about the goat. But uh, Rodgers does have an argument in terms of what he's able to do with the ball, that the decisions he makes, he, he can make some wild things happen. I think he really doesn't get enough credit compared to a guy like Brady when it comes to the mental side of the game and how he's able to manipulate other defenses. Mm. He's he's the, the king of the free play, right? The king of the hard count and getting teams to jump and then making crazy plays happen, no uh, knowing that, you know, he got an offside flag and it doesn't matter unless something good happens. So, you know, I, I think that Again, you're talking about a guy who was a sixth-round pick for a reason at the time in Tom Brady and a guy who, you know, everybody was shocked that he didn't go number one and then fell to the end of the first round in Aaron Rodgers. You know, there's a reason for that. He's, he's, I think, a more talented thrower of the football than Tom Brady is. But you see how that doesn't necessarily matter uh, when you're comparing success. So I, I think that, you know, we talked about this off-air a little bit. It's kind of like the LeBron James and Michael Jordan thing. And Instead of wasting time arguing about who's better at what, I think the, the real football fan should just sit back and enjoy the fact that you're getting to watch two guys that'll be in the Hall of Fame 30 seconds after they're eligible, you know, two guys that are just legendary players at the most important position in the game, arguably the hardest position to play in sports. Uh, and just soak it up man like you said that's only the third time these guys have faced each other and they've played 16 years at the same time you know with with rogers playing 16 years at this point so it, it was just uh, it's supposed to be an enjoyable game uh, to watch those two go toe-to-toe unfortunately the the bucks defense had other plans uh, for the national media but i'll I tell you what bucks fans didn't mind that one bit
3: no not a doubt and you know what i probably so people out here and there's i'm sure there are plenty like me that had their goat t-shirt on their tb12 hat and their patriots underwear on watching that game on sunday i'm sure i know i'm I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one, but uh, you, you can't be, man.
4: And, no, and that's no. that's another thing I wrote about. You know, last week is or, or, or right after the game this week was that I mean Brady went 17 of 27 for a buck 66, and
3: and I asked the Bruce boring, Arians boring yesterday, Brady, "Right, honestly, this is what you wrote about? Yeah, boring that's Brady. what
4: I told I asked Bruce Arians. I said, "Is this the kind of game you had in mind when you guys signed Tom Brady? Not necessarily the 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 369 and five touchdowns in the comeback against the Chargers, but the game where the defense and the running game." Runs the show and Brady just keeps everything together, doesn't make crippling decisions, doesn't turn the ball over you know, moves the chains and and controls the clock and and that sort of thing. And he basically confirmed that, obviously, you love to see the comeback when it's necessary, but they wanted a quarterback, again, after five years of Jameis Winston, where you're throwing for a ton of yards, you're making a bunch of positive plays, but they don't matter because you're you're turning the ball over so many times. Brady's on pace for, I mean, they talked about this last year, you know, everybody wanted to have the conversation that he was washed up, 24 touchdowns, eight interceptions for New England last year. He's on pace for 40 and 10 this year, Ryan. So, you know, this is exactly... What Bucks fans were hoping for so far.
3: Yeah, no doubt. And, and I was going to say, I feel like I kind of, with the LeBron James, uh, Michael Jordan conversation, I kind of feel like maybe I'm with the Bucks fans right now with the Brady conversation, right? Because I have like, two hundred and something Michael Jordan cards from when I was in eighth grade and collected basketball cards. I used to love Michael Jordan, like everybody. And I also love LeBron James. Like my wife's from Ohio. Like we've gone to see plenty of games. She's a huge LeBron supporter. I like LeBron. There's I he's I think he's like a, a perfect athlete for kids to look up to and all that crap you know what I mean I love LeBron I love LeBron I love that he's won three championships with three different franchises I think that's awesome so uh, I'm that guy
4: it's a false dilemma man we don't have to pick it is soak it up
3: but I'll tell you what so here's the comeback us Patriots fans will do when you bring up anyone being the goat other than Brady right we'll say all right fourth quarter game on the line you know Rogers might be a better throw of the football as you said Luke and I agree with you but who do you want under center do you want Brady or do you want Rogers you know in a Super Bowl or nfc championship game who do you want under center that's that was that would be our rebuttal and then i'll let you answer that
4: yeah i i don't think there's a another answer other than uh the the other number 12 right all
3: right thank god uh, you got it right you got it right good job Yeah, i mean because
4: we've seen it happen too many times ryan you know we've seen it and we've seen it happen with no matter if it's randy moss and wes welker and gronk out there or if it's david Patton, david Givens, dion branch (laughs) ben watson you got it it, you know, it doesn't. He's done it with everybody. He's done it with not nobody, but guys that, you know, are just the guys that were there. Right. He turned Julian Edelman. And again, Edelman deserves his, his credit for this from a backup quarterback in college to one of the better possession wide receivers we've seen in this generation. I mean, that there's there's something to be said for for no matter who's out there catching the ball, they're going to make a name for themselves because of who's throwing it to them. Uh, and again, with the game on the line, especially in a big game situation, nobody, if they 're genuinely honest with themselves and don't have a rooting interest and, and can put that to the side. nobody's taking anybody but Tom Brady in that moment.
3: All right, let alone football and the buccaneers how How fun is it right now in you know Tampa, Florida, for sports fans out there? You guys are so spoiled right now. We used to that used to be Boston back in the day. Now Tampa Bay is taking over. I want to talk to Luke about that we 'll do that coming up. <laughs>
2: It's that time again for the line of the week the inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren
0: from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast here's what you need to know to bet on the Week 7 Sunday Night Football game between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Las Vegas Raiders. The Bucs are coming off their most impressive win of the season, beating the Green Bay Packers 38-10 in Week 6 to move to 4-2. The Raiders, who are 3-2, are coming off a Week 6 bye after stunning the Kansas City Chiefs with a 40-32 road win in Week 5. The Buccaneers come in as three-point road favorites, Las Vegas Raiders, their home dogs, plus three, over under a 53-and-a-half. Buccaneers, they got a win by four points to cover that spread. I'm back in the Raiders. They stay within three points. They might even win it, right? I'm going to put a little sprinkle on the plus 130 money line for the home Raiders. Check out SportsbookWire.com for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to BetSlippin' Podcast with new episodes every Friday morning. Be sure to rate and review. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type
1: of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Alright, Luke, we have to bring this up because we're recording on Tuesday, so this is the day of Game 1 of the World Series between your Rays and the LA Dodgers, right? And this is really fun. We know the Lightning has, have already raised the Stanley Cup this season. The Rays are in the World Series. I think everyone, at least on the East Coast, will be rooting for the Rays. No one's rooting for the Dodgers out here, I promise you that. And the Bucks are at least... I mean, you at least have to put them, even the biggest critics have to put them in the top five or six teams that could win a Super Bowl right there. They're in the five or six best teams in the NFL, I think. There's a Wikipedia page for this. I think it was the 1935 Detroit Lions, Tigers, and Red Wings that won. Oh, my. Yeah, exactly. There it is. That all won championships in one year. That's a long damn time ago, 1935. So that's where Tampa Bay is right now. This is like historic stuff. A chance for the Lightning, the Rays, and the Bucks to maybe win championships or at least all get to the championship. That's pretty sweet. What do you think about that?
4: I tell you what, I mean, particularly for me, and we talked about this right after the Lightning won the Cup. You know, being someone who was born and raised in this area, I've lived here most of my life in the Tampa area and been a diehard sports fan. And, and again, I try to check my fandom as much at the door as possible when it comes to the Bucks. Uh, but with the other teams, I will not do that. With the Lightning, I definitely don't do that. Baseball is a little bit different, just because when I was growing up here, we didn't have the Rays. I, you know, I was a big baseball fan my whole life until the Rays came. That was in the late '90s. I think I was, you know, I was in my teens at that point and played baseball most of my life. So I was a big Braves fan growing up. I almost ended up with the perfect World Series. I was literally. <laughs> Crushed when I did because I just wanted a no stress. Rays, I wanted a no Braves, stress yeah. World Series. Yeah, rays. Braves, yeah. perfect. I can just pour myself, you know, a nice drink and just soak in whoever wins. It would have been great. Right. I know there's 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 fans on both sides of that that are really hate me for saying that right now because you got to pick right. They, they want rooting interest. In me, I don't think that way. I, I, so now that it's just the Rays, I can put my home team hat on instead of my childhood team hat on uh, and, and root for the Rays. But it's so fun, man! It's so fun to be in this city right it's now. Amazing. It's validating for a city that has taken so much grief from the national scope of things about our fans and our support of the sports teams here. I mean, first of all, with the Lightning, it's silly because Lightning have sold out 220 something straight games, I believe. Yeah, Tampa's uh, so a hockey the support, town now, no doubt. Yeah, it is, and it has been for a long time. Anybody who knows the sport knows that. It's it's the best sporting event in town. It's it's a fantastic... Jeff Vinnick, the owner there, has just done a phenomenal job in, in making that franchise what it is. But the Rays, I mean, look at what the Rays are doing. Go back to last year when you know the, the Red Sox have the highest payroll in baseball, I think, and they can't make the play. Playoffs, the the Rays are spending. I think what were they they were playing the Yankees this year in the series. I think Garrett Cole was making more than their entire starting lineup <laughs> for that game. Yeah. Yep. And they beat them. You know, and they knock them out. So I mean, it's so fun to watch the Rays in that way, particularly because they do more with less than maybe any team in the history of baseball and it's just so fun to watch guys that even for me even being here and being you know a somewhat casual fan of the team you know we're getting deep into the playoffs and I'm like I don't know who half of these people are I don't know their names and they're knocking out the Yankees and they're keeping Boston out of the playoffs and they're you know just running over everybody and nobody knows who they're getting beat by and it's hilarious to watch (laughs) so much fun again for a kid that grew up in this area and and a huge sports fan here in Tampa it's just so much fun to be having so much success and, and so many fans here just they, they really deserve that it's 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 long time coming for a, for a lot of people who, who know that this has been a great sports town for a long long
3: time yeah so easy to root for the race so easy and for uh, baseball fans out there that might be listening right now uh that haven't seen uh, Moneyball with brad pitt i don't think it's a coincidence that it dropped on netflix just a little while ago it's it's new on netflix Moneyball, easy to find. Watch that movie. It's really cool. And uh, it kind of shows you what the Rays are doing with a, uh, like Luke just said, with no payroll. And they're still competing with the Giants. And this is this is what it is. But this conversation made me look at the app. The Rays have a great chance. Hopefully. Nobody Like I said, nobody wants to see the Dodgers win. Nobody. Come on, Rays. You could do it. You could do it. Yeah, Big the same thing
4: with the Astros, man. Nobody wanted that oh, comeback of course to happen. Not. Of course Everybody not. was a Rays fan. Right yeah,
3: now. yeah. Let's go. Let's go, Rays. So they got a chance, and then it's gonna if the Rays can win this thing, it's gonna be on the Bucks, right? So I looked on my app, right? I looked on my app, and right now, odds to win the NFL championship. They went Chiefs, Ravens, Seahawks, Packers, a little bit of a head scratcher there, Packers, and then Steelers in the top five. Then you got the Bucks, Saints, Titans, and Bills. Also, just an aside, if you wanna put a hundred dollars on the five and one Bears at plus three thousand you could win over three grand. So, hey, if you're believing the Bears and Nick Foles, that might be a good bet for you. But what do you think about that, Luke? Like, you know, Vegas not sold, right? Not sold on these bucks, still have them outside the top five. Do you think that's fair?
4: I think it's fair for now just because of what we talked about in the first segment, Ryan. I mean, we just don't know what this team is yet. We know what they want to be. Agreed. We know what they can be after we saw on, on Sunday. But again, you, you know, you're not going to get no penalties every week. You're not going to not turn <laughs> right. the ball over every week, I don't think. You're not going to give up no sacks just, every week. Just
3: play a You're not going to see that happen. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, you know, and that's honestly what makes me believe in a team like the Bears, maybe, because they may be the worst, ugliest 5-1 team in the history of the NFL.
3: And they embrace it.
4: And they love it. And Nick <laughs> Foles, you said, if you saw that press conference Nick I, Foles gave on Sunday, I mean, yeah. he was passionate about the fact that he just does not care. Can't see how enough they of that. Job Can't done. see
3: enough of
2: that presser.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's so much fun to watch those guys be like, whatever. Y'all can think it's ugly. We're going to keep winning however it takes. And, and there is something to be said for the value in that in knowing that you can win a bunch of different ways and it doesn't have to look a certain way. So, you know, I, I think it's probably wise. To be cautiously optimistic about the Bucks' chances of winning the Super Bowl, but I mean, h- how on earth are you supposed to do that as a Bucks fan right now? The Super Bowl is in Tampa.
3: Oh Ryan. yeah, that's how it. I on haven't earth even. Are you supposed
4: to be any sort of like I didn't even mention like, that. sensible about this at all right now? Thank
3: God for you. I didn't mention that. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. I didn't even mention that, and I knew that. Oh my God! Too many stars
4: are aligning. Oh God!
3: Oh, it's all. It's first of all, it's not on Tom yet. It's on the Rays. The Rays got to hold up their end of the bargain, Luke. So I'm going to be watching and rooting hard tonight. First things first. Tampa, you have a fan in me. You have a fan in me. Now I wasn't, I didn't love it when you knocked out my Bruins. Now I'm going to say that, but I you hey, do have hey, a fan that, for me. That you,
4: was <laughs> well earned. You guys have done that it, far too yeah, many yeah, times. To us. It,
3: I don't want to hear it It was. And l- 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 let's be honest, we didn't have two Rask and all that stuff going on. So uh, you know, props to Tampa. They had the best team, but uh, <laughs> but it's uh, it's on the Rays. And you have a fan in me, Tampa. I've been rooting for Tommy and uh, and Gronk all season long, and I'll be pulling for those Rays. If I had a Tampa Bay Rays hat, I'd be wearing it tonight. So. uh Hey, I know you'll be watching too, Luke, so enjoy it, all right?
4: Hey, I will, man. Thanks.